0: welcome to pushing through i am tate frazier and as always i am joined by the kid bj armstrong and today we have a very special guest bj would call him a legend hip-hop heads would call him a definitive legend he is brooklyn's finest he is master ace master ace thank you for coming to pushing through bj he's having What's a great going
1: day on? <laughs> ace you make my day you make my life my life is complete <laughs> One of my legends, yeah. one of my heroes. Someone I enjoy, you know. I was born. I
2: appreciate it, man. Born. Is that a Kareem jersey behind you on the wall? That's a wore?
1: Kareem jersey behind and a you. Yes. And on the shirt, yeah. And I got him on the shirt. And I got him, you know. I tried to get one of your shirts, but you always sold out. I can't get that. <laughs> no, my, no, no, I'm not sold out. I'm not sold
2: out.
1: Uh, my man, so it's so great to for you to come on and take time, man. And uh, of course, we just here to celebrate your career, man. I, I'm when I say I'm a fan. Excuse me for. Fanning out right here, Ace. You know, when I go on my walks, I put you on, mm. and I think I called you one day. It sounded so good to me when I was listening to the son of Yvonne. That's just if there's a song that connects with me, is that song? It just it does something to me. And uh I'm just so proud to call song. you a friend. Yeah, man. I love that song, and uh, yeah. but thanks again for coming on. I just let me be a fan for a little bit, Ace. I just want to be a fan. And uh, how you doing, my man? You doing all right?
2: I'm doing great, man. I'm I'm home in my basement, the man cave, and just um, I've been working. I was working on some stuff earlier, and th- this is why I do all my my writing stuff, um, my recording stuff. I do it all down here in the basement. Man, mm-hmm.
1: take me through your, your, your process, I man. You you got so many great projects. I don't even know where to start. You know, but h- how's that process for you? Because your paint game is just. When I listen to you, I just have to listen four or five times before I even say, "Oh, I caught that or uh, here, tell me take me through your creative process that you like to go through.
2: Well, it's definitely different now than it was early in my career. Um, now I only write songs when I'm inspired to write a song. Mm. Um, and I feel like my best work comes when i'm I'm in some way, inspired to write something as opposed to just writing to write, like to just, just cause you could write, you know, braggadocia raps all day long. I'm better than you. I'm the nicest, this and that. But like, that was early in my career when I was on that, like just coming up with the craziest punchlines, the craziest metaphors to, you know, try to prove your worth as an MC. And I've kind of, I'm kind of past that now. And and it's really about writing songs that mean something to me and songs that I feel like are going to impact people when they hear them.
1: Mm.
0: And you talk about those punchlines. I mean, to to get yourself right into the game, do be recognized as one of the best MCs? BJ is a, a fan of bars at all costs. He's one of those people that will call you up and say, I just heard something. This is insane. So uh, <laughs> th- that whole era that you grew up in, that was the original, the OG era is what people my age would call it, of, of hip-hop, obviously. So being there and having that competition and having so many guys in New York especially, I mean, what was that environment like? I mean, coming up in, in that hip-hop OG era.
2: Well, it was extremely competitive, let me say that Mm -hmm. first. Um, And then I'm signed to a label at the time, early in my career, I'm signed to a label with with Cool G Rap, Big Daddy Kane, Biz (laughs) Marky, MC Shan, Roxanne Shantae, and- Ace, could you just say it again? Ace, could you just say those names again, Ace? BJ just passed out. Ace, I just want to be a fan today, Ace. Ace, how do you survive in that room, Ace? (laughs) Listen, I, I don't really, I mean, I, I was confident in myself, right? I I, I felt like I had, I, I brought something to the table. I had some rhymes. I felt like my rhymes was cool. They were good. Um, But, you know, hearing G-Rap and hearing Kane, you're like, man, I I, I don't know if I'm right there yet. So, but that, but that fueled me though. You know what I mean? That fueled right. me. That made me want to, it, it, it let me know what the bar was. Mm. And so... I knew that every time I wrote a rhyme, it needed to be, if, it, if I didn't feel like it was at least on that level, then I needed to throw that away and start over. And so it's important to be around, like, I, you know, you hear the term uh, steel, sharp, and steel, but being around yeah. other, you know, talented dudes is what makes you your best. I'm sure it's the same thing in basketball. You want to, you yeah. know, in practice, playing against the best dudes, is going to make you a better player.
1: You know, Ace, you, you talk about those names, and I just have to ask you, the Symphony, right? Mm. Right, what was that like working on that project? Okay, what, what was that like? I mean, every time I listen to it, I go, How did this happen? All of these great MCs come, it, together. Was, re-
2: it was, it was that song, that song was really by chance. Um, that, that classic posse cut featuring myself, Craig G, Cool G rapping Big Daddy Kane, produced by Molly Maul. Um, that's that was a by chance happening that that song happened. So, what was originally the plan originally was that Cool G and Big Daddy Kane were going to do a duet. Just the two of them going back and forth over this beat that Marley was going to produce. <laughs> that was the original plan because they had did a they had did like a uh they had did like a joint where they rap they both rapped over um I think Raw. I think they went back and forth. If, if you ever heard if you ever heard raw, that,
1: Kane Kane's Raw.
2: Kane, Kane's Raw, but there's a there's a new version. There's a different version where Marley threw G- Rap on there, but, and G- Rap went bananas on can there. You send me that? Can you send me that Ace? 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 Hey, can you send it's, me that Ace? It's, it's on. It's on YouTube, man. Aww. You can find it on YouTube. Just put in. Just just put in raw. Uh, Big Daddy can't cool G- Rap, and you hear some crazy rhymes on there. So anyway, that wasn't an actual song that you could buy. So Marley was like, "Okay, for my album, I want y'all to do a joint, y'all too. and that was the plan. They wanted to do it. He wanted to do it. That was the plan. So the day that we were shooting, uh, did, did the photo shoot for Marley Marley Control album. Uh, people that know flip that album over, you see all of us in the picture. Me, G. Rap, Kane, uh, Bismarck, Craig G. We're all he's in a, a he's
0: in a pilot car. Co- yeah, he's, he's dressed up yeah, like a the, pilot. Got the gold exactly. chain. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yep. He's he's in, he's on the in, in the, on the front, and so right after that photo shoot. I overheard them saying they were going to Marley's house to record this nut, this new song, and I was like, "Ooh, that sounds like that's gonna be cool." I wouldn't mind wouldn't mind being being there for that. Um, so Craig, being the aggressive young teenager that he was, <laughs> he approached um, um, Marley and was like, "Yo, can I get on the song? Can I get on the song?" And Marley, I guess, asked Kane and up on the side. "Yo, Craig, Craig wants to get on the song. You cool with that?" And Kane was like, all right, he, all right, he could be on the joint. Cool, we'll, we'll throw Craig on there too. So they were on their way to Marley's uh, house slash studio to record this last song. Um, I was driving and Marley was driving. Nobody else was driving. So um, I said, well, I'll, Craig, I'll, I'll I'll run you over there. Cause me and Craig was hanging out pretty heavy around that time. So I said, right. yo, I, I, I'll ride you over there. But the truth is, I really wanted to hear this song be made. Like I just wanted <laughs> to be in the room and hear this right. song be made. So we I follow Marley over to his crib, park up, go to the crib. He plays puts the beat on, they all start writing their rhymes. And at a certain point, it was time to spit. And and Marley was like, All right, who who, who gonna go in the booth first? And Craig was like, yo, let G Rap go. G-Rap was like, yo, let Kane go first. It was all passing the buck <laughs> about who, who was gonna who was gonna set it off. You know what I mean? Like nobody right. wanted to rhyme. Now you gotta remember at this time. Talking about you know 89 80, 89 it was all about the MC that rhymed last. It it wasn't about right. the, the the it was always that last verse, the the, mm-hmm. the anchor right. leg. You know what right, I'm right, saying? Right, 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 right. So everybody wanted to be that last dude or towards the end of the of the song. So what happened was Marley looks over at me is like, "Yo Ace, you got something for this?" <laughs> and I was like, "I say, I you know, I keep I, at that time I had like." <laughs> I had like 10 or 12 verses memorized, ready to go at all, it, you know, that, that's how that, that young mind, you know. Right. So I, I was like, I, I got something. He's like, all right, go in the booth and, and, and set it all, warm, warm it up. These guys are act, acting scared. So I go in the booth. <laughs> so I go in the booth to start rhyming. And at the, when, when, when Molly was, you know, initiating all of this, I guess Kane and G-Rap were talking on the side. And they, they was not feeling this idea of throwing this new, they didn't know me. They didn't know, they never heard me rhyme before. And they were like, you know, this is supposed to be me and you. Now you got Craig on there and I throwing this new dude on there. And they, they were calling me glasses at the time. Right. I, I, I wore my glasses. And I not they want to throw glasses on the song for me. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and so I went in to do my first take and they they heard the, the, the initial rhyme. I was going to go back and, you know, redo it, but after they heard the rhyme, they was like, yo, Mar, let me go to the store. And they, and they bounced. And so on the way to the store, you know, they were like, yo, Glasses is kind of dope. Y'all can't front. Glasses is all right. <laughs> and so when I finished my, my verse, obviously, Craig went next. And then when they came back from the store, then G-Rapping and then Kane. Um, but the original plan was not to keep me on the song. It was just to get everybody loosened up. And I guess, you know, I'm finding this out 30 years later that, that you know, they went to Marley separately and was like, yo, yo, keep, keep it on there. He kind of dope. Keep him on the song. And that's how I ended up on the symphony.
1: Was this all off the top? Did you, did you have a time no, to write oh,
2: something? Oh. No, no, no. I didn't write anything. But like I said, I walked around at that time, I walked around with about 10 verses memorized for any, because, because back in the day, it was always battles popping up. Like, it was <laughs> like, just mm-hmm. want to challenge you, like, yo, let's go right now. Let's, let's rhyme. Let's rhyme. And you had to have, you had to have rounds ready, memorized at all times. So Mm -hmm. that was one of my 10 verses that I had in my head memorized. And I decided to spit that one. And you know, the rest is history.
0: What was it your best verse that you had in your head at the time? Or did you want to say that one for yourself? Oh, see, exactly. So in retrospect, you may want to put your best one on there.
2: I said, after I heard G rap's verse and Kane's verse, I was like, damn, I should have said this other one. (laughs) (laughs) I should have said this other one. Cause you know, G rap went, went berserk on it. Like he, I didn't even remember this, but I heard Kane telling the story and it brought back the memory. When G-Rap first rhymed, after I went, Craig went and then G Rap when G-Rap rhymed, he rhymed until the tape came off the machine. Like <laughs> it, it was that's, probably that's like, true. That's true, Ace? That's that's yes. true. The, he rhymed the whole rest of the beat. Like it was probably like sixty something bars. And 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 and, 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 and Marley was like, yo, G, like you gotta shorten this. Like there's no room for Kane. And this guy goes, all right, I'll spit something else. And he spit a different verse. No. Which is the which is the song that was the verse that's on the song, which is even crazier. But the verse he spit was crazy, and then he spit something different, shorter that was crazy. Wow.
1: Wow. What, what, Grace Stewart. Ace talk to me about one of my favorite albums by you, disposable art. Like yeah, that's my that's my
2: favorite album of mine. Uh, the
1: creativity, the 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 the, the the concepts. How do you come up with these concepts? Are, you, are they just things that come to you? You just recounting stories, or like tell me about the concept of you know your projects because they always seem to have like a
2: theme when you listen to them. I always I've always said that I'm a writer at heart, and it mm-hmm. has nothing to do with songs or music or MCing. I just have stories in my head that need to come out, and so um as i was working on that album and and previous albums as well i was always trying to tell a story within the story of, this, of the other rhymes of the of the songs so i was you know on on slaughterhouse i kind of had these skits that semi told the story and then i, I expanded on that on sitting on chrome album the storyline got more expanded but then on disposable the whole the whole concept of telling a story within an album really all came in. it, it all came full uh, uh interplay completely and fully. Like my idea was finally realized on that project for it to be a beginning, middle and ending to a story of characters that you could follow through the entire album. And, and so um, it was just a fun process for me. I, I find, I find it fun to create these skits, write these scripts for these characters and tell a story within an album and, it, it allows me to be more of just the MC. It allows me to kind of flex my other writing uh, uh, ability. And so that's why I do it. I just do it because it's, it's fun. I enjoy doing it. And every album that I've done really since has, has had some sort of a theme um, with characters and a storyline.
0: Mm. And one of the things you're known for is, uh, you know, having vivid thoughts and, and, and being able to tell stories, like you said that you're a storyteller at some level and the, the next wave of guys that came into the rap game. I mean, I know Eminem kind of tipped a cap to you and said that you were one of his major influences, but was, is there someone else that you see, you know, in the, you know, you know, 20, you know, 2000, 2010s, whatever it may be that has that ability to tell those stories vividly in the same way that you were able to.
2: Oh yeah. I mean, um, I, I, I always thought that uh, Kendrick's uh, first album mm. was it reminded me of my albums because there was a there was a there was a theme a story. He had a picture of the van on the on the on the front of the album cover. Good mm-hmm. good kid, bad city. Yeah. Um. And so you know when you see the cover, you're like, what the hell is this van? Why is there why is there a minivan on the cover of the album? What's that about? Right. And then you hear the album and you find out that. You know you know he's he's he, he borrows his mother's van and goes somewhere and mm-hmm. you know gets gets into some stuff in the hood and you know and she's trying to get her van back because she got to go downtown and get um her um i don't know if it was welfare check it was something she had to go downtown and, and get or, or take care of and he had the van and so you know to me that was one of the examples like more recent examples that i heard that that jumped out at me that said like this is Along the lines of what I like to do, and I, I really, it made me like that album even more. Mm.
0: Mm.
2: You know, so you, you've worked
1: with virtually everyone in the business. Not everyone, far, no near. The, <laughs> yeah No one did. but You've worked with no no a there. lot, a, a lot. And is there anyone you have you would love to work with that you haven't worked with yet in the business?
2: I always wanted to work with Dr. Dre from the from the standpoint of I want to just be a fly on the wall in the room when he's mixing these songs that he mixes mm-hmm. cuz I need to know the tricks that he's doing. You know, um, <laughs> I learned I learned all my early mixing tricks from Molly Mall how to how to make the beast, the bass be super deep and you know there was techniques mm-hmm. and there's a science to mixing a record and Dr. Dre has mastered that science. Um, I've never heard hip hop songs that were as loud, as clean and crisp, right, and, and with as much knock as the Dr. Dre stuff. So if it if it would be anybody, it would be him because I need to figure out these secrets of what he's doing in these mixes <laughs> to make these songs sound like this. Cause that, that that's all that's missing for a lot of a lot of these new a lot of new music that comes out. It doesn't have any thump. It doesn't have any loudness. It's they're usually pretty crisp, but it's because they're using digital, mm-hmm. um, you know, interfaces to create their music. So it's going to be clean, but there's no there's no bottom, and there's no it really lacks volume. Um, and, and volume is the is, is is for a lot of music. Volume is the key, especially hip hop, um, because when a DJ puts you know a record, like I, I recall being at a club somewhere. And DJ played my record, I'm listening to my record, boom, it's sounding nice, it's in there, it's knocking. And then he puts the Dre record on right after and just destroys what my joint sounded like. And shortly like after The Chronic came out, when I would when I would mix my records, I would actually A, B my records to Dr. Dre's records. After that happened in the club, every time I mixed the record, I'd be like, all right, put this Dr. Dre on. Let's listen to my joint and then put the Dre on. Put, all right, my joint—it's not heavy enough. Let's go back, and we take another hour tweaking, twisting, turning knobs, getting it louder, this and that, right. and then play. Listen to Dre. Listen to my joint. Listen to Dre. Listen to my joint. I never really perfected it, but he was—he's definitely studio goals for for any artist. So I'm—I'm—I'm mm-hmm.
1: I'm, I'm, as you're talking, I'm listening to Sitting on Chrome
2: mm-hmm. with Dr. Dre's. I, mean, it, I was I I was trying to get there with sitting on Chrome, but I, I, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking when you said when you were describing this. He whatever he's doing in the studio, I've heard people tell me little bits and pieces. You know, like he he'll take a the, like the snare track. It's like it's like four or five tracks of just snare. Like like I've tried I tried that. I tried to like increase the amount of tracks with snare, but it's more than just having multiple tracks of the same sound that make it so loud. There's more going on there, and you have to really learn how to. Uh, EQ each track to, so that, you listen, it's a science <laughs> that I have not learned, but all, all, all respect due to Dr. Dre and what he does in the studio.
1: You know, I, I got to ask you about a couple of my favorite collabs you've done. Okay. Tell me about you and Ed O.G. You know, Ed O.G. is one of those MCs that you, Ed O.G., Jean Grey, Pete Rock, Mm. I I I I I just turned that on and it's just it's like,
2: it's gold in me. <laughs> so Ed- Edo 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 was a friend of mine, you know, from the industry for a while. Like he he represents Boston. He's like the the epitome of the you know he he sort of epitomizes Boston hip hop. He's the right. he's the original guy. Um and <clears throat> he he and I around around the late two thousands. I'll say two thousand like five six seven right in there he and I were ending up on a lot of songs together, like collaborations. Like people would ask me to collab on a song and then they would end up putting Edo on the same song. Um, and so there wound up being like four or five different records out there from different people that featured both of us. Mm. And so, um, he thought it was a good idea that we try to do a album together. I didn't think it was a good idea. I was like, ah, that sound corny. I'm not with that. <laughs> um, but then he came back to me uh, like a month or so later. And I was like, yo, I have an investor. I have somebody who wants to put the money up for us to go in the studio and and, and create 10 songs. Mm. I was like, okay, you know, money talks in, in my business, <laughs> money talks. I said, okay. So we went in the studio. The deal was do 10 songs. So we went in the studio. We rec- we created um 10 songs. We didn't mix them or anything, but they- we had 10 songs. But in that process of making those 10 songs, I was like, yo, this this actually sounds pretty good. I'm not mad at these these records. This sounds good. Um, the investor wound up running out of money. And so it became a question of do we just take our, you know, our our deposit and, and keep it moving, or do we keep going? We decided to keep going and, and make continue and finish the album. And that, that's what we did. And it and it turned out to be a really good project, a good solid collaboration project of two two MCs from a different from from a completely different era that came together and created a song, and of course, he allowed me to uh, do the skits and add the so, sort of theme to it, which made right. it more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: you got that one song in there. Eight is enough.
2: Oh yeah, that's a, that's that's it, a banger right there. Oh, that's a banger. <laughs> oh,
1: hey, 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 Ace! Hey. I had to go see my chiropractor every time I hear that song. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, hey. Oh man, Ace, hey, that's my that's my that's my joint. That's my joint there. Yeah, I
2: like that song too, man.
0: Quick break to get away from our sponsor, Nitsa. It can be a little frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or running late to find yourself at a railway crossing, waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you may feel a bit tempted to try and sneak across the tracks. Well, don't ever. To the naked eye, trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they are, and they can't stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over a mile to stop. Over a mile. By that time, it's too late, and the result is a potentially deadly crash. The point is, you can't know how quickly the train will arrive. The train can't stop quickly. Even if it sees you, it ends in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way, and you just need to remember one thing. Stop. Trains can't. Back to Pushing Through. Ace, I have to ask you about New York hip hop and obviously, you know, coming up in your time, it was such a quintessential period for New York hip hop and and obviously all the MCs that came out of that era. And now we have, you know, I'm gonna ask you about where New York hip hop is right now. Obviously, we still have the legends that that are here with us and then we have you know the asap mobs of the world you know asap rocky his name is rakim named after rakim his mom loved rakim so she names him rakim that whole type of connection so when you look at the second generation of hip-hop is there anyone in new york that you point to and say they're carrying the torch or is it or do you still have the torch
2: no i don't have the torch i'm you know the, the the torch is those that are on the radio um at this point but um I'm, I'm, I, I, I've got to say that I'm a little bit disappointed in New York hip-hop to a certain mm. extent. And I'm disappointed because the young talent that's out here, because they were kind of raised on down south music um, because of New York radio. and that, That's really where the blame gets shifted to is New York radio. Mm. Um, the, these young guys, when they were 8, 9, 10 years old, all they heard was down South hip hop on the radio, they rarely heard New York style kind of boom bap stuff, and so yeah. they, that's what they were raised on. So now that they're in their early twenties and they want to decide they want to make music, that's what they refer to. And I just wish that there were more, you know, young New York artists that were that that understood what New York music sounds like. And could and could and could go in the studio and and, and sort of bring that that sound back. That's what's New York had lost its identity along the way, and um, that that's unfortunate because uh, we we were the leaders in this thing, mm. and now we are kind of the followers. And, and um, I'd like to get back to I'd, li- I'd like to get back to us being towards the front of the pack as opposed to bringing up the rear. Mm. Well,
1: you know that leads to my next question, Ace is you've always stayed true. To the MC, you've always stayed true to the art. What are you working currently working on and things that you're doing now? Because it seems like every time I, I try to catch up with you, you always traveling, you always <laughs> touring, you always are doing something. You always so busy. You've always stayed true to the art form. What um what are you currently working on now, Ace, and, and sticking to the to, to the art, to the hip hop?
2: Well, clearly you know the the touring is is uh, null and void right now because of mm-hmm. the quarantine and the pandemic. Um, my last tour was uh, January February. I haven't been I haven't done a show since February. Right. Um, and I don't know when I'll do my next show on the calendar right now. My next show is October 2021. Wow. Now may, maybe it'll you know maybe if things get better sooner it'll it'll open up and we can start rocking again, but in the meantime, I've been working on some writing projects. One of them is a hip hop musical mm. um, that's, lo- that's loosely, loosely based on uh, my album, Disposable Arts, A Long Hot Summer, and my album, The Falling Season. A combination of those mm-hmm. albums um, and the storylines on those albums uh, you find in this musical that, I'm, that I've been writing. I've been working on it for about two years, but I've been more intensely working on it since the, since the quarantine and um back in march right before the quarantine started we actually had our first kind of loose table read like we didn't we haven't casted it or anything like that but we had actors come in that were friends of friends that you know had had a couple hours out of their day and they were willing to come down and sit in the room read through the script you know we gave each person maybe two parts like you're going to play this person and this person yep and there were about eight or ten people in the room and we read through the entire storyline and just so that we could hear what it sounded like. Cause you know, reading it off of a laptop is different than hearing right. the words being spoken. Um, and so, uh, that re- went really well. So since March, what I've been working on is the music for the musical, the script is kind of there. We like where it's at. It definitely needs to be, uh, cut down. Some is I'm, I'm told there's too many pages. Um, and so I have to work on chopping it down and getting it a little bit more, you know, precise in terms of the, um, the dialogue, uh, mm-hmm. but we like where we're at, and that—that's one of my writing projects. The—the the second one is a—a uh, a TV pilot, uh, and I—an idea that that I got from a, a close friend that I went to high school with, um, and it's kind of telling his story a little bit, uh, coming up in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. Um, I don't want to give too many details away, but mm. it's going to be similar to uh, The Wire. Um, but it's not about drugs. Mm. It's not about drug dealing. But it, but it is it's similar in terms of how it's the 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 way I the way I'm envisioning it is going to be similar to the wire. Oof. Ace,
1: I know you're sitting on something. Are there any more projects? <laughs> will there be another? Music. Will there be a, Will there be some music out here, Ace? It's, it, to us that's so you're, starving, you know. We want we want to hear. We want to hear you, Ace. We want to hear you.
2: Mm. So you know, 2018, I dropped the album "A Brooklyn Story," yes. produced by Beautiful. Marco Polo. Beautiful. And he and I, he and I, uh, decided that it was only right that we do another one because the album came out so well. It was so. Bravo. It was critically critically acclaimed, and the fans loved it. You know, we toured for two years with it, um, roughly, and so um, Marco's been sending me beats pretty consistently. Um, I've picked several. I probably in my folder right now. I've probably got like. 18, 16, 18 beats that I like or love. and But I haven't written one bar yet. Um, and that's because I wait for the inspiration. Mm. Um, Marco's patient. He knows my, he knows my, pro- he understands my process. Like right. once I kind of know where the album is going and once I figure out what it is I want to say on these songs, then I'm gone. Then I'm out of here. Then I'm writing like crazy. Mm-hmm. But until that, until it hits me, um, I just wait. I, I don't. I don't. I don't OD with listening to the beats over and over again. I just wait until I say, "Okay, now I know where this album is going," and then I start writing. So he, he's just waiting on me, and I'm, I'm taking my time. But I'm going to wait for the inspiration. It, it'll probably happen like four in the morning, one one night. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get up. To, I'll get up to use the bathroom, lay back down, and go, "Oh, that's what I want to rhyme about on this album," mm. and then. Hey, that, that's, just, that's that's can how
1: it Can I just be your sounding board? I just can. Can you call <laughs> me? I, I now I'm like, can you call me? I gotta. I I got. I gotta hear this. I gotta hear it.
2: <laughs> the beats are incredible. Like he really, he 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 did he did his thing on on the first one. But he yeah, he did. He, he's delivered some more really, you know, beautiful sound sounding music, and that's what, that's what the inspiration usually comes from is the sounds the sound of music. I told him yo. You know, because Marco has been known for these really rugged, you know, punch you in the face kind of beats and just super hard. Mm. And I said, yo, I need I need melody. I need I need <laughs> some more crisp, beautiful sound and stuff. Yeah, Give me some stuff that 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 some give me some violins. Give me some cellos. Mm. Yeah. So he, he he's he, he, he's delivered so far, man. It's just my job now to, to, to finish it off. Nice. nice.
0: Another symphony.
1: Nice, nice. Yep. Well,
0: wow. there you have it. Uh, master of his craft, and obviously a lot of things on the horizon. Whether it be on, you know, Broadway, maybe someday we got TV scripts. We got a lot of good things going on for Master Ace. We appreciate you coming on. A true hip hop legend, and uh, obviously BJ's fired up. So we we appreciate I, I, you I'm sharing so fired. the stories.
1: Okay, Ace, can I? All right, hey. this interview <laughs> stuff. I gotta ask Ace. It's this one line, Ace, that always I always revert back to you. It, it just it cracks me up. Okay, he's a nice kid, but ain't nothing sweet. <laughs> What was you thinking when you said that? Ace? What was you thinking? That that it, it just makes me laugh every
2: time to hear you say it. because you say it with such conviction on 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 the song? Yeah, well, you know, I grew up in Brownsville, Brooklyn, the projects, mm. and it's a rough area. It's still rough to this day. There's a lot of stuff going on in Brownsville, and I was a nice kid. I was raised by my mother, my grandmother. You know, two women. They were very loving. I got hugs when I was a kid. I got kisses. Mm we were affectionate. But there were a lot of kids around me that that didn't have that and grew up really just mad and angry and violent because and I think it's because they didn't get those same type of hugs and their parents were on drugs or whatever the situation was. Um but the one thing about Brownsville is that you know, if you're considered a nice kid, it means you could be tested. It means you could be, you know, bullied is the term everybody uses now. But Um, I grew up as a nice kid, but I also grew up as a kid that would defend himself in any situation. I wasn't afraid to do what I had to do in terms of fighting. And Mm. I, I, you know, I, I I wasn't a kid that got picked on a lot, but when, when fights came up, I took them and I, and I, and I, and I did well in them. And, you know, that's how the reputation came around that, you know, um, you know, ah, yeah, he. Don't mess with him. You know he <laughs> he'll he'll hold his own. Yeah, right, um, right. So so that's that's and, and you know when I said the lyric, it was me. Really, sp- I was I wasn't saying ab- about myself. I was saying that that's what people were saying about me. Mm. Mm. You know, um, he's a nice kid, but nothing sweet. So don't 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 mm-hmm. play don't yourself. Yeah, 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 it yeah, always,
1: yeah. It, I Always, it always, I I hear you. Every whenever, whenever I listen to the song, which is like. Probably ten times a week. That's like that's like that's that's one of my favorite songs, and uh, but no Ace, I want to just say thank you so much.
2: And can I can I just mention one thing? Yes, yeah, yes. Sure. So um, this Saturday, I don't know when is when people are going to see this, but this Saturday, which is October thirty first, which is Halloween, um, I'm going down to D.C. I'm being inducted into the Hip Hop Museum down in D.C. Mm. So I'm bringing my family down. Amazing. Um, and I'm I'm actually uh, donating. Uh, my Crooklyn jacket, um, to the museum, um, oh, for no, no. Uh, for a display. But they're inducting me, um, and that's gonna be a pretty cool cool night. It's from one to one to three or one to four, down in D.C. at the Hip Hop Museum. You can, people can go on my page. Um, I have the flyer up either my Facebook fan page, which is uh, Mass Ace Official, or my Instagram. I have it up. Yep. But uh, yeah, we're gonna be out there, man. Amazing.
1: Congratulations, 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 yeah. Ace. You're such an Thanks. inspiration. I mean, you've had an amazing career. Um, I feel like even before I uh, we officially met, I feel like I knew you, you know? <laughs> you, you've you been in my home, you've been in my space. Mm. I know all your lyrics, I sing all your songs, and more importantly, my kids know your songs. And that's mm. the most important thing. You that's know? It's just, cool right there. You no, know, I mean, my kids uh, here, and I told them I was speaking with you today. He was like, no way, no way, they didn't want to go to school, you know? So. Uh, I appreciate it, Ace, man, so much. And and you're doing so many positive things out there, brother, and and the culture and us fans. We appreciate you, what you've done, and you've dedicated your life to see someone do that with such passion and conviction. It means so much to all of us. And thanks again for just being you, Ace. And I really mean that. Thanks again.
2: Thank you, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, Thanks for your contributions to the sports world. You know, you're definitely a part of... um, my childhood, not childhood memories. I was already pretty much an adult, but watching those Bulls teams and, and and it's it's wild to see your face because you you literally have the exact same face that you had <laughs> back then. Look at this gray hair though. He's looking at my gray hair now. <laughs> I, I can't I'm telling you, you got the same face, man. And um you know, um it's so you know, I, I had a, I told a couple of friends that, you know, I knew you and we met and stuff like that. And they were like, you know. Well, how tall is he? I said he's like six three. They're like, what? He look mad. <laughs> she look mad short out there. I said he's not short, man. Them dudes is tall, man.
1: <laughs> Them guys are tall out there. I know, Ace, You play a little sports too, Aisha. Hey, you play a little a little sports in your day. Back in I played, your day, I played,
2: I, played, I played high school football, which is it is what it is. We we had two really my, my junior year, senior year, we were really good, made it to semifinals both years, and you know I was a key cog on that, on those teams, and I could have definitely. I wanted to go to the championship game, but we got bumped out in the semifinals both years and obviously you think back and wish you could have did this and did that. But <laughs> I took what I learned from that and I went into coaching high school football. Um I did it for eleven years actually. Uh nine years in Brooklyn, two years in Jersey. Wow. Coaching coaching young men from age of fourteen till about eighteen and right. um, just trying to give back and, and impact lives.
1: And before I let you go, Ace, how are your Knicks gonna do this year? How are your Knicks? <laughs> how are your Knicks doing? Uh. I don't know man. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, are you next? Come on now. Give me something.
2: I can't. I can't, you know. I, <laughs> I,
0: what about can't. the what about the nets? Do, do do we care about the nets?
2: Yeah, we care about the nets. Um okay. I, I I hope that if 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 our big two is ready to rock, I hope they I would think they would be. Right. They can at least make some noise, yeah. you know. Um and BJ, you know, if you want to come out of retirement and
1: Man, I'm old. Come off, hey. come off the bench. <laughs> come off the bench. Man, man, them knees. I, 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 they say stealing money. That would be stealing some money there. Yeah, said, <laughs> I ain't got nothing to give. I ain't got nothing to give, man. He said, hey, I gave you everything. I gave you everything. I got nothing. But <laughs> about, when we come in our town, time? when I come in town, how about you and I go to a game though? Mm. How about? I'm that?
2: down. Absolutely. I'm absolutely down with that. Cool, sounds good.
1: Bang. Let's lock it down. And, get, and we gonna buy some shirts. We gotta buy some shirts. A say he mm. got new stuff on his. Uh, yeah it
2: everything is, is the <laughs> none sold out none <laughs> no, sold out none all available
1: alright dude sounds good my friend
2: alright y'all